This is Hashtag Finance, presented to you by the Canadian Securities Exchange, the exchange for entrepreneurs, with your host, James Black. Well, thanks for joining us today for another episode of Hashtag Finance. I'm your host, James Black, and today I'm joined by Mark Bins, CEO of Big Digital Assets, listed on the CSE. Mark, thanks for joining me today for the show. Pleasure to be here, James. So this is a timely discussion because uh, your business is involved in cryptocurrency, blockchain, Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin, you know, I don't want to date this show, but it's later February 2021. And uh, maybe, can you just describe what's happening? Because I'm having a hard time computing it myself. Yeah, I think there's a huge movement happening in crypto right now and Bitcoin itself, and it's it's driven by institutional involvement. Um, the, you know, the last big crypto bull run was late 2017, and it was really a retail movement. Um, you know, everybody was talking about crypto and Bitcoin at dinner parties, and cab drivers were asking you which altcoin you should buy, but you could tell it was a very retail-fueled movement. Um, this time around in 2021, late 2020, you can see that it's institutional, large um, you know, publicly traded NASDAQ companies like MicroStrategy, you got Square buying Bitcoin uh, in large amounts, 500 million, 50 million, putting it on their balance sheet and saying it's a store of value better than the US dollar or a Canadian dollar or a British pound. And it's really driving the movement in the market now. And then you get almost these celebrity CEOs like Elon Musk then buying it for Tesla and tweeting about how it's the future. Um, you know, the promotional aspect aside, the price valuation is being driven by institutional involvement now. And it's really exciting to be part of this bull run in this industry where it's, it, it feels really strong. It feels different than last time because it's very institutional driven. Okay. Well, let's talk about how you're involved and maybe we'll get back to some of those, uh, celebrity endorsers and institutions and what, what they're bringing to the table, but big digital assets, you have two sort of key silos to your business. One is Netcoins, and uh, maybe just talk about Netcoins to start, and then we get into the security side on the on the latter part of this discussion. Yeah, for sure. Netcoins is an exchange, uh, crypto exchange, primarily focused on the Canadian market. Uh, you know, it's where the uh, Canadian retail and institutional crypto investor can go and buy sell the major crypto assets. So we have Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, Ripple, uh, Tether. Um, it's a place where you can come and easily learn about crypto as well. We have a, uh, uh, basically a crypto educational center, um, where you can learn if you're brand new to it, and then you can invest. Um, we call it a fiat on-ramp off-ramp type of, uh, exchange. So you can actually put Canadian dollars, uh, into net coins with an email money transfer or a wire, unlike some global exchanges that only accept crypto. Um, so you can get in with regular Canadian fiat dollars, you can invest in the assets, you can hold them on the platform if you want. And of course, if you want, you can also withdraw them into your own wallet and, you know, keep them in your safety deposit box. But, um, that's what Netcoins does from an operational point of view. Right. And, and I remember, so now you're, you're pursuing sort of a recognized crypto exchange stati- uh, status, sort of like us at the CSE, we're a recognized exchange. Maybe just describe what the playing field is now and ultimately what it's going to shake out to. Because I think uh, over the years, you mentioned the first boom, trust in marketplaces was was not where it is today and where it's going to probably lead to. But I, I want to know where you guys fit in on that. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, originally, 
um, there was a lot of uh, fraudulent issues and there was even fraudulent exchanges in the marketplace. There's some big uh, catastrophic failures like Quadriga that most people know about um, where two, upwards of $250 million uh, of investor money was lost. Um, the marketplace in Canada now exists. There's probably between 15 and 25 different exchanges in the country uh, where you can buy and sell crypto. All of them are technically operation operating outside of securities law. Um, but the regulatory bodies know this and they haven't had a license you could get. They haven't had a regulated uh, marketplace. So with Netcoins, we actually went to the regulators, the CSA, uh, and our local jurisdiction, the BC Securities Commission, as far back as 2018 and said, you know, we're owned by a public company. We're audited, we're transparent, we're above board. We want to get a regulated license to let everybody know this is a safe place to buy and sell your crypto. And they said, that sounds great. We're working on that, um, but we'll have to work on it together because it doesn't, the framework doesn't exist yet. It exists for traditional stock exchanges, but not for crypto exchanges. So we've spent a lot of time um, educating, answering questions, uh, demonstrating our Netcoins platform for regulators as part of a sandbox initiative. And in September, we formally applied for a restricted dealer license. And the restricted aspect of this license is that we can only sell crypto, which is great because we don't intend to sell stocks, uh, just crypto assets. And we're looking forward to um, soon, we believe, hopefully in early March, becoming not the first, one of the very first regulated crypto trading platforms in the country. Interesting. So in the last uh, week, well, last week, uh, as of this recording, uh, the first crypto ETFs, Bitcoin ETFs were listed in Canada, in the world, the debut uh, with Evolve and Purpose. Um, and I I'm curious, and I just want to dive into some of the psychology of investing here in Bitcoin. Is, is this ETF model an effective way for you and if you're interested in buying Bitcoin to speculate and buy Bitcoin, are you a strong believer that you should own uh, at least a fractional percentage of a Bitcoin as a true um, store of value? What's your opinion on that in these ETFs? I think both are very valuable. To start with, I think the ETFs are great products. Um, they're registered eligible, so you can buy with a TFSA or RSP and you can shelter your gains um, from taxes. Um, they make it very easy to get involved through traditional brokerage channel um, and they open up crypto to more people you know we as a crypto first company we truly believe the more people that are involved in the ecosystem the better it is for the ecosystem so there are products that are making um, you know crypto available to a wide range of people um, you know some of the disadvantages are you can't touch or hold that crypto um, like you can with uh, real crypto right because they're an ETF product if you buy actual Bitcoin you can move it around you can put it on a ledger and stick it in a safety deposit box. Um, but what you can also do with it is you can take it and trade it against um, other crypto assets. So there's, you know, there's probably more than 3000 different cryptocurrencies. The number might even be 5000 now um, that people are interested in buying and selling. And if you have real Bitcoin, a lot of the pairs are traded against Bitcoin. So you can buy another altcoin, as they call it, with your Bitcoin. If you're in an ETF, you're just straight exposed to the movements of Bitcoin. Um, but there's a lot more to cryptocurrency than just Bitcoin. So there's a place for both uh, traditional, actual Bitcoin and these exchange products. Sure. And the ability to buy crypto with other crypto opens up a whole new world of uh, arbitrage and basically, you know, working, uh, working the system. So um, 
that's interesting. I'm, I'm really excited to see where you guys go with the the platform. I do know that you guys have been sort of hoarding Bitcoins as a, a means to create a float. Um, maybe talk to the viewers a bit about what that means when they see a press release from you guys saying, well, we bought another X amount of Bitcoins and, and here's how we're going to use them. It's not just uh, to pad your balance sheet, but you actually have a practical business reason for this. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, what they should read through or recognize maybe quickly is it's growth, right? Yep. So the more uh, crypto that we're buying, it's because we're using it in our operational platform for Netcoins. As we do trades with our customers, which are growing very quickly, we have to do instant settlement. Our customers expect to have their Bitcoin uh, the second after they buy it to withdraw if they want to, to take it to their own uh, wallets uh, or move to other global exchanges to buy other products. Um, so as we have a very quick ramping escalation of buyers, um, we need Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum on our balance sheet to deliver instantly those customers. And then we uh, retop it up with our liquidity providers, usually on a daily basis. Um, so it is all about sustaining growth and having you know excellent uh, settlement and customer service on our platform. That's the reason for it. Um, but we love the secondary effect of the value it's creating for us because we believe in the long-term store value of crypto. We've been mm -hmm. buying Bitcoin since it's been four, five, six thousand dollars US a coin, and our balance sheet has never been stronger because of the uh, the value of the crypto we hold. Okay, and I, I'm going to talk about the store value in a minute and the origins of that, but. Um, I want to talk about what we experienced in the market with with the uh, the GameStop phenomenon a few weeks ago, which was this whole um, awareness of short selling. And I'm just curious how short selling could work in the Bitcoin world. If it's something uh, for those watching, and you and I could, we, uh, this might be a simple answer. It might be a really hard answer, but could people go on the exchange and short sell Bitcoin? There are exchanges where you can short Bitcoin. There's a few of them um, globally. I'm not sure you can do it in Canada yet, um, but there are exchanges that do margin and leverage trading, mm -hmm. and you can take long and short positions, and you can take leveraged long and leveraged short positions. So, um, you know, the the people that make financial products love to keep up with customer demands, and if you want to go short, uh, certainly in the major cryptos, you can through various platforms globally. Which seems crazy to me. I mean, they're so volatile and the margin you'd have to post would be probably quite excessive. This isn't like an everyday investor type of product. No, I mean, the the, the risk is extreme. If you're going <laughs> to be doing um, a shorting of crypto, which tends to go up over time fairly consistently, yeah. um, but, but B is very volatile. Um, you know, a lot of people have limit orders uh, set within Netcoins, for example. And then when there's sudden movements, limit orders get executed en masse. Um, but if you're you know, if you don't have limit orders or stop losses and you're short on something or long on something, um, you know, your value can change quickly. Yeah. And if you're watching this and you don't know what any of those terms mean, uh, don't trade in those those formats <laughs> until you find out. Uh, we're not going to explain it in great detail here. Um, let's talk about the origins of Netcoins. I, something I found really funny was when I lived in Vancouver, uh, I don't remember the year, but you were talking about the ATM, that original ATM in Vancouver. You could buy the Bitcoin. I'm going to guess if I memory serves me right, I think it was $700. I think it was $700 to get a Bitcoin back then. Um, do you remember? Do you remember how much it was when, when you, when you guys, I don't remember the price, but I remember <laughs> the year it was 2013 and it was yeah. at a waves coffee shop in downtown Vancouver when the world's first Bitcoin ATM was, uh, opened up by actual by Mitch Demeter. Yeah. Um, and Mitch Demeter is now the president of Netcoins. So, um, 
you know, Mitch was a real pioneer in the industry when he brought that machine. You know, he got it, you know, designed and manufactured and installed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took off. There was lineups down the street from that coffee shop to use that machine. Yeah. And the coffee shop loved it because it basically created a steady stream of customers coming in and out of their um, their shop. But what a great revolution and the start of really a lot of people's crypto experiences in Canada. Yeah, I, I remember not feeling like I had enough money at that point. I think I was saving up for my wedding. <laughs> it's like, you know, can I go and buy a $700 Bitcoin at that time? Obviously, it would have been a good idea going forward. But uh, everyone, you know, $1,000 seemed like the ceiling at that point. Who knows, right? Yeah, and um, a lot of people don't realize you could buy a fraction of a Bitcoin, right? So the many people said, oh, I can't buy a Bitcoin on a $700. But, um, you know, Bitcoins are broken down into Satoshis, into 1 million components. So you can... You can easily now go buy twenty dollars worth of Bitcoin on uh, Netcoins or any platform you want. Right, and Satoshi, obviously, that is a nod to the uh, the originator of the blockchain code, I guess, uh, from Japan, supposedly from Japan. We do, we don't necessarily know where where or what Satoshi really is, but uh, that's a different conversation for a different. It is. Podcast. His origin is <laughs> to this date still unknown or at least unverified. Right. So before I go into blockchain intelligence group, uh, the other sort of key pillar of your business. And really the origin of uh, big digital assets. I want to talk about uh, something we had on the pre-show, which was uh, what's influencing the price of Bitcoin right now. So again, it's a bit, it's quite volatile these days, but it is, as you said, over time uh, from $700 in, a, uh, in 2013 to where we are today, around 50,000, um, it's, it's gone up appreciably. But what is driving that? I mean, does it make you nervous when Elon Musk is tweeting, uh, you know, his prospects for this, when he's going out and talking about Dogecoin and things of that nature? Um, where does that put you as a CEO of a company that's it's really, I, I assume you want stability in price a little bit. Where does that put your head? Well, I want positive sentiment is what I want most right. about the industry, right? I want, um, as a public company, I want investors to understand the, the health and the long the long-term nature of the industry. Um, but what's really happening is a movement away from US dollars or fiat currency as a safe store of value. So with coronavirus and the world the way it is today, there's been an enormous amount of printing of dollars. The monetary policy of the US government, you know, I read a stat, they printed more money in the last one year than they printed in the previous hundred years combined. Wow. Um, it is an incredible amount of money being printed Whereas Bitcoin, there's only ever going to be 21 million. And there's been this real move, particularly by corporations with large cash balances on their balance sheet to say, you know what, even if just as a hedge or just to be a bit smart, let's put some of that into cryptocurrency or Bitcoin specifically, um, because we think it'll store value better than the US dollar from a, a buying point of view. And that's what happened. MicroStrategy was one of the first NASDAQ listed companies to say, hey, we're gonna put Bitcoin on the balance sheet. I mentioned uh, Square earlier did it. Um, And then Tesla was a big one, about $19 billion of fiat on the balance sheet. And Elon Musk said, you know what, putting a a billion and a half into crypto, um, we believe makes sense and we believe is safe. And then you see the uh, insurance companies, Mass Mutual bought $100 million. Uh, you see all of the financial products companies and ETF companies. BlackRock has just started talking about um, buying crypto as an investment. And of course, there's Grayscale that's been buying Bitcoin all along. But it really is, I think fundamentally, it's companies thinking that the future buying power and store of value of Bitcoin in particular is much stronger than holding fiat currency right now in the current economic environment. Right. And, and I suppose your thesis then is that we're at the start of this institutional buy-in 
I mean, Elon is often in front of a lot of people on ideas, but if you go to the more traditional uh, businesses in America, North America, um, this this may just be the beginning of something where the, the buy-in is tip of the iceberg. I think it is the tip of the iceberg. I mean, everybody's waiting for Apple to buy Bitcoin gotcha. on the balance sheet. There's a lot of rumor that Oracle is going to do it. Um, Michael Saylor, who is the CEO of MicroStrategy, held a corporate conference recently, and I heard something like 1,700 public company executives attended to learn about how to buy crypto on their balance sheet. How do you buy it? How do you store it? How do you keep it safe? Um, it really feels like it is the tip of the iceberg. Um, you know, Bitcoin's having a bit of a down day today because Elon Musk tweeted again, said he thought it was getting a bit hot. Um, <laughs> I believe that's because he wants to buy more. Um, that, you know, he's no dummy, right? Um, yeah. But I do believe it is the start of the wave of significant global corporate buying of crypto um, away from fiat. Yeah. And I mean, it goes to show that the dynamic uh, and the difference between fiat and crypto when, you know, a government may say, look, I'm going to print more money to help pay people benefits during a pandemic or, or you know what I mean? As opposed to one CEO of one company moving the market because he's got an inclination or wants to uh, maybe influence pricing. So that's one of those things I think we got to just be aware of. And as an investor, you need to be aware of what's what's going on here. You have uh, to watch it because, you yeah. know, the the news macro news on a daily basis whether it's a tweet from a ceo or a government agency says uh they need more security in certain space of crypto or you know india announces they're going to ban crypto um, any of these announcements happen at any point in the day 24 hours a day and can and can move the assets very significantly you know 10 percent in a day is not an uncommon swing in a crypto asset no now, none of this is possible without the power of blockchain and blockchain intelligence group, which is uh, sort of the founding kernel of this this organization, Big Digital Assets. Can you talk a bit about um, what that pillar of your business does, how it supports the net, net coin side of your business and, uh, you know, just the general mission of blockchain intelligence group? Yeah, I mean, blockchain intelligence group is um, a company built on helping the world uh, organize the blockchain and keep everyone safe, I guess you'd say we call it compliance first crypto. Um, we make two products, uh, Clue and BitRank. Clue is used to track the movement of crypto through the blockchain. Uh, we support all the major blockchains, Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, etc. Um, and it's sold to law enforcement. So as there's more crypto um, use in society for payments, um, spending, investing, you name it. Unfortunately, crime also comes along with that. Crypto is involved in uh, money laundering. There's theft, uh, you know, drug purchase, weapon purchase. Um, so we've built tools uh, specifically that lets you, a uh, police officer or law enforcement agent, look at the movement of crypto. So one simple use case, if someone stole your Bitcoin and you went to the police, they could put the wallet address of the Bitcoin into Clue and Clue would show them the movement of those coins all around the world, around the blockchain. And it would show them, for example, if they showed up at an exchange where someone was trying to cash out their stolen coins. And then the police officer could literally send a subpoena to that exchange and say, freeze the coins at that wallet address and also tell us who owns it. And then they would issue a warrant for the arrest of the owner of that wallet. Um, you know, very complex data heavy product on the back end. It's presented in a very easy to use interface for law enforcement in the, in the front end, but keeps law and order in the space of crypto. And people no longer can just use crypto because they think it's an easy way to get away with crime. It's not anymore. There's now tools um, and law enforcement uh, on the side of keeping law and order, I guess you'd say. 
Right. And I can only assume having this component of your business helps on your exchange side of your business. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we sell this software to exchanges globally so they yeah. can see what's moving in and out of their exchange. And in fact, they can make decisions with their compliance officers. If they don't want to accept coins that are deposited from addresses that are known to have been involved in illegal activity. Um, it's tied into the other product called BitRank that actually does risk scoring and it'll mm -hmm. show a compliance officer um, hey, these 20 Bitcoins just came in from this wallet address. That wallet address we have tagged as uh, been involved with the Silk Road or black market activity. So you might want to freeze those coins and do further investigation. Um, we have that technology integrated into Netcoins. And that's part of us being able to tell the regulators that Netcoins is doing everything possible to keep a safe regulated platform running for its uh, investors and traders in Canada. So that's how the two really tie together is we've taken this amazing technology from blockchain intelligence group, yep. integrated it into the backend operations of Netcoins, um, and have brought that forward to regulators. And that's how the two companies came together. We saw Netcoins, we saw blockchain intelligence group, and we said, there's a marriage here. Um, so in 2019, um, actually blockchain intelligence group bought Netcoins, and together they became big digital assets. <laughs> Peanut butter and jelly, as we like to call it. <laughs> so, yeah, the, uh, I guess my last question then is: You guys just raised a bunch of money. Uh, I believe it was twelve million. Um, yep. Uh, what is the use of proceeds? So, I obviously saw some of the purchases of Bitcoin for the float, but uh, maybe tell me, you know, how you're you're making the company and furthering it through this investment. Yeah, we are spending the money mostly on sales and marketing outside of the Bitcoin float. Um, so we need the float to, as we talked about, as the platforms are growing faster, but we need, you know, we want more awareness, of course, always. Um, so we're doing a lot more advertising for Netcoins, letting people know um, that it's available. The, there's a very small percentage of the population that actually owns crypto. So the, most of the growth in our market, particularly in crypto trading in Canada, is from people that are brand new to the industry. They've never bought a dollar before. Um, so we're running uh, radio ads, television ads, social media ads. We have social influencers. We have a whole pinwheel of marketing that is designed to get the Netcoin's name out and let people know that that's a, a place they can come, start trading, learn about crypto. We have amazing customer support and we're expanding that team as well with the money. Um, you should be able to find someone on the phone or email or even live chat on Netcoin. So we're making sure that we're investing in the people. Okay. Well, in conclusion, Mark, like it looks like you have a ton going on. Uh, it's exciting to see what you guys are doing with both the platform, the Netcoins uh, business, and then obviously the blockchain intelligence group. What's what's next? What's what's coming up that people should expect? Anything you want to share before we uh, we sign off for the day? Yeah, we've got a lot of great growth going on in the business. You know, we'll be telling our shareholders and investors about the uh, platform growth. Uh, you know, we just had a news release this morning that we've uh, started exceeding $100,000 of revenue a day from trading on the Netcoins platform. Um, we're looking at adding products to Netcoins um, that are interesting products like lending. Um, and we're looking at new geographies as well. Um, Blockchain Intelligence Group is being very successful globally. Netcoins has been focused on Canada, but we're looking at the U.S. market and we're actually doing a study on the European market right now to decide where to launch outside of Canada. Um, so there's a lot of exciting uh, catalysts, uh, news flow and, and uh, movement happen for the business going forward here. Perfect. Well, Mark, I want to thank you for joining us today on Hashtag Finance. It's been a pleasure to catch up and to learn more about the business. 
I'm James Black. And if you're watching this today on YouTube, please subscribe to CSE TV. Uh, the company's growing uh, really fast and we're getting a lot of great feedback about the shows, this one included. And uh, like it. Please hit that like button if you enjoyed this interview or like interviews on CSC TV. It only helps us to get more likes on the video. So, Mark, thanks again. Good luck to you. And uh, we'll see you in the next few months. We'll see how things go with, with Bitcoin and business. And uh, best of luck. Thank you very much. It was great being here.